When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The Dugout. Premier League Preview. Football Social Daily. Manchester United have got a new man in town, whilst Burnley's boss has left the building. Eric Tenag has been confirmed as taking over the reins at Old Trafford, whilst 35 miles north, Sean Dyche was shown the door. One in, one out in the Premier League this week. The big question is, will those decisions pay off? We'll discuss that on today's show as United look to recover from the shambles at Anfield midweek whilst Burnley attempt to secure survival with things beginning to get desperate. Speaking of Anfield, the Clarets could really do with Liverpool dishing out the same treatment to Everton as they did to Manchester United when they face off in the Merseyside derby. The Reds looking to maintain the pressure on Manchester City, whilst Frank Lampard's Toffees are feeling the pressure themselves, but at the wrong end of the table. Loads to go out on today's episode of The Dugout, the Premier League podcast featuring former top flight professionals. My name's Niall. I never played in the top flight, but thankfully I've got two people joining me who definitely did. Former Hull and Leicester striker Matty Fryett and ex-Everton and Burnley winger Trevor Stephen are joining us. How's it going, chaps? Good to see you both. All good, thanks. Yeah, good to be on. Nice to see you. Now, Matty, I didn't mention this the last time you were on the show, but I thought I'd bring it up because occasionally... We've got Dean Hammond, who used to play for Southampton. Francis Benali, loads of times, who's a Southampton legend. I'm a Portsmouth fan, and I only recently found out that your first Hull City goal was against Portsmouth on your debut. So I didn't think it would get any worse for me doing this, but apparently that's the case. So what what do you remember of that? I remember coming on. Um, I was a sub. Um, coming on, turned the game. We won 3-2, and it was a... Neat, tidy finish, and it was good to get yep. off the mark. I loved it, Portsmouth. <laughs> Obviously, the atmosphere, tight ground. It was, yeah, really enjoyed. Then when I was at Leicester, and we did lose 6-1. Um, yeah. Well, there we go. Not... <laughs> Evens itself out, mate. You can take the goal for that 6-1 defeat. Um, and talking of heavy defeats, Manchester United were on the receiving end of an absolute thrashing by their rivals Liverpool midweek in the Premier League. To be honest, 
I'm not sure too many people were surprised at that result. Liverpool are an unbelievable football team. Manchester United are miles off the pace. We've all discussed about who Manchester United's next manager will be in the wake of that result. And it has been announced. It was announced on Thursday that the Ajax manager Eric Ten Hag will take charge at Old Trafford in the summer. I've seen someone, Trevor, describe Ten Hag's rise to success as a manager as methodical and not meteoric, which I quite like, actually. Do you fancy him to be a success at Old Trafford? Because he's got a hell of a job on his hands. Oh, it's a huge job, isn't it? Uh, it's a huge football club with a, a completely unfunctioning team uh, and squad of players. And how they've got there, you know, from the heights where they were over you know, 10 years plus ago, um, it's incredible. Um, it's daunting. You know, if I was him, I'd be thinking, right, what do I start with here? Because there's so much to uh, to adjust um, and to to get the big brush out and, and and you know get rid of the get rid of the chaff you know um, will he do well I, I think he will do well and you're right when you say that he's gone through stages of, of management from what I've read about him you know he wasn't a, wasn't a, a top player um, even in his first club which I think was 20, wasn't it, his first club? Um, and so he was just a sort of regular player that but he also had one of those one of those players who you can see, oh, he could be a coach. So he had something to say about how things were done on, on the football field. And then, you're right, he took, he took steps and um, ends up, uh, you know, taking his first full-time role, I think, was at Utrecht. And beyond there... Um, well, prior to that, he was, he was with uh, Pep Guardiola in in um, Bayern, Bayern Munich. Mm. Yeah, so he's had a, a varied um, career, and of course, he's, he's had great success with with Ajax, which was the next step for him. Um, so yeah, I think um, the size of Ajax relevant to Holland huge, but relevant to Manchester United within England. It, it's it's almost minuscule, really, and the expectation on a global level of Man U is is huge. Uh, yeah, so it's a daunting task. I think he's the right man for the job. Could have been Pochettino, you know, according to what you hear. Um, but I think it's the right man. He, he comes in with a sort of fresh, clean um, view on English football, perhaps, and he seems to be. Um, someone I think that can can shoulder the responsibility of the job. Time will tell, but I think it's a it's a good appointment now. Well, Trevor's right in that time will tell, Matty. But the question is, will he get that time? Because patience is something that's quite hard to come by in football, whether that be through ownership or through supporters. A lot of people are suggesting that maybe if he is the right man for the job, he needs the time behind him to be able to show what he can actually do. Yeah, definitely. Um... Will he get it? I'm not too sure on the appointment of Ramnik. I find that baffling and the decisions from the club have been strange for the past few years now. They got a few results, but it never seemed like they were just knitting as a team. There's no philosophy, ethos, what Man United stood for. So I think with this one, they have to give him time. And I think if they do, again, the right steps, like other managers that have mentioned, Klopp, Graham Potter, for example, you don't have to be a top player, but you can be a top manager. Um, I think it's a good opportunity for him to go in there. Obviously, Manchester United, huge job to do, but an exciting one. I think this summer will be crucial in terms of 
not who he brings in, but more who he wants sort of to get out, clear the decks. You'd like to think he will have time, but again, it's results-driven and the caretaker manager, it hasn't worked. It's been a really strange, strange one. You're probably right, you know, because his first job is to get rid of players, isn't it? Um, and, and decide who he's got to get rid of. And, uh, you know, these players are on such incredible contracts. They've been performing so badly. They are going to suffer a massive loss if they're just going to, you know, take the hit um, on, on a lot of these players. The, the, the deficit is going to be going to be massive. Um, and then depends on what happens between now and the end of the season, whether Manchester United are going to be as attractive as the, um, a, a, an attractive proposition. And that would mean being in the top four. Mm. So I think you'll get players half an eye on that as well. That want Man United to at least have squeezed into a top four spot. Uh, spot. Um, because if they don't, and in the disarray that they're in, top players are not going to be queuing to, 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 to join the club. Um, purely and simply because they don't know what the end result is going to be. So it's just a really complex few months, I think, the club face. Well, how crucial is the next transfer window then, Trevor? Because the length of Tenag's original contract that he's just signed spans seven transfer windows. But there's no point for me looking at the other six beyond the one that we've got coming up in the summer. Because yeah. as Matty says, you know, his first job really is to go in there. And I'm sure he's probably already had dialogue with Ralph Rangnick about what he wants to happen between now and the end of the season when that handover eventually happens. So how critical is this summer window for Manchester United, do you it's, think, in terms of getting them back critical. to where they want to be? It's critical because it, because it is Manchester United. Now, if you remember um, uh, pre-Klopp at Liverpool and then Klopp, Klopp arrives and I think he had five transfer windows before he won a trophy. Okay, so he had three seasons, basically. So, therefore, because um, Liverpool hadn't had success for such a long time, there was an air of patience and a feel that this is the right man for the job and they, they stuck with him and they made steady progress and obviously it's turned out to be a, mm. a, a superb appointment got a great team etc do you think style of play comes into that trevor because obviously they didn't win a trophy like you say but with the fans they were probably able to see a, a distinctive style of play from klopp which probably mm. gave them a yeah. bit of confidence that things would yeah. happen in the future and that's one of the issues, isn't it, at Manchester United? They don't look like the, the gigs, Beckham, Scholes, um, Rooney, set up the way that they play counter-attacking, really quick football, always on the front foot. Uh, but of course, that is not that long ago, so it's still massively in the memory of, of the majority of the fans. And they want to see not just a winning team, they want to see good football as well, or, or typical Manchester United football. And that is unrealistic now. They need to have a, you know, a bit of smell and salt. And, uh, and where we are now is, as Ralph Rani put it, six mm. years behind Liverpool. Uh, I mean, goodness me, what, I wouldn't like to be a Man U fan when you're hearing that from the top guy at the club. That it is that, he feels it's that much of an uphill struggle to get anywhere near them. Yeah, I mean, well, Gary Neville said that you know, it was an all-time low for him in 40 years of supporting Manchester United, Matty, mm. that 4-0 hammering by Liverpool at Anfield. Now that the announcement has happened, naturally that will have given the fans and those around the club a bit of a lift. Do you think it will have given the players a lift for the remaining games? Do you think that the fact that now the manager has been announced and we know for certain that it's Ten Hag, do 
do you think that that will change anything between now and the end of the season in terms of performance? They've got to get on right on the pitch to start with. And we're talking about transfer windows. Talking about it all, I think it's a rebuilding process. The first question was, will he be given time? He has to be given time. The six years behind, you've got to build it up. You'd be excited to go into there. But I think in terms of the players, some have already resigned thinking, well, my time's up. Obviously, players out contract, which will help. And then you've got some superstars in there where you're thinking, are they going to mould or fit into the style that the new manager wants? So, yeah, I think, you know, um, you know, when a new manager comes in, you get a reaction from the players, don't you? Because everybody thinks that they've got an even chance again and others will be in a position where their, their contract might be up. Um, uh, and so the appointment of a new manager generally gets a, a bit of a, a buzz out of the group. But this is the appointment of a manager who's not even going to be there. Uh, so it, that even is more bizarre. We don't know what impact that's going to have. And you, you're right, it could have very little because they're still coming out of a dressing room where there's no spirit. And so what you've got then is down to the individual players. And we shall see that over the next two, three, four games. If anyone starts to you know, pull up the... Uh, pull up the socks somewhat in, in the quality of their performances because they they have been so bad. Mm. I mean, so bad. I mean, the Liverpool match just highlighted it and there was no surprise there was four goals in it. The, um, I, I was more thinking if they can't come away with 3-0 or 4-0, okay, that, you can swallow that, um, but, you know, try your best. But they didn't even try their best and they got away with the 4-0. So it, it's... Dire straits, I think, uh, at Old Trafford at the moment. Are you expecting a reaction against Arsenal then, Trevor? You know, you say it can't really get much worse than Liverpool and you get sometimes this new manager bounce. Ralph Rangnick is still in situ. Eric Tenag is not officially in the building, um, pulling the strings. He won't be on the touchline. Obviously, he's still got the end of the season with Ajax to focus on and they're going for the Dutch league along with PSV Eindhoven. It's still quite close in the Eredivisie at the moment. So I think that's something that Van der Sar, who also works for Ajax, who used to play for United, of course, he's mentioned and he's saying, right, Eric is going to Old Trafford, but he's focusing on this at, at, the, at the moment. Moment. Yeah. So mm. even though this has happened and there is a new manager, are you expecting a reaction against Arsenal 12.30 on Saturday? I, I think actually Arsenal are a good opposition for Man U. I don't know what the, the recent track record is, but I, I watched uh, the game at Southampton last week. Uh, I was doing a commentary on that game and I thought Arsenal were, were insipid. I mean, really, really poor. And how they turn that round and go to Chelsea and, and get a result you don't know what you're going to get. And then you have that problem for the fourth place in the league. These teams are so inconsistent. West Ham have probably been the most consistent of them, but you know Arsenal and Tottenham uh, and Manchester United are very, very inconsistent sides. Uh, they just really don't seem to have the capacity for regular, uh, consistent performances. But as I said at the start there, I think Arsenal could be a good opposition for them because they're up and down as well. So you don't know exactly what you're going to get. So it could mm. be that um, it's a good fixture coming up. And I imagine there'll be a bit of a kick from the Ten Hag appointment and there'll be some, um, it'll be a, it's a distraction, isn't it, for the for the fan base at the moment. It's something else to talk about rather than the desperate yeah. situation. Why have we got a temporary manager? Why are we this? Why are we that? Why don't we look like we did all those years ago? Um, so this is, it, it moves the, the eyeballs somewhat away from what, what they've been looking at. And let's see 
but I think Arsenal might might fit the bill for them as uh, as far as opposition goes. Yeah, I mean, Trevor mentioned a bit of a kick there, Matty. I mean, in years gone by, United players and fans wouldn't have needed any lifting to get up for this game because this used to be one of the biggest rivalries in the Premier League. You know, you've got your Fergie versus Wenger and Vieira versus Keane, two sides battling for the title. Those days seem quite a long way away now with where these two clubs are off the pitch and indeed on it in terms of league positioning. Do you think that animosity is still there or is that mainly something that the fans reminisce over these days when it comes to Manchester United and Arsenal? I think now that that's ship sails, especially where the teams are at. We're talking about a game where there's no trophies to be won for fourth. There's Champions League money. and um, I think for Man United, obviously, they might miss out on that, the Champions League place, but it might be a good thing. It sounds strange. Obviously, they're going to hit and player-wise, but then they can pick things and turn it around. So it might not be that you want to be in it as such. But in terms of the rivalry, Arsenal and Manchester United now, there's bigger games now. Um, obviously, there's always going to be that history. And if the teams were further up the table or you know, in a cup competition, there'd be more on it. But I think it is just just fans between themselves and, like say, reminiscing in the past on how it used to be as opposed to sort of where they are now, even though at the minute it's still a battle on for fourth, but it's not quite the same as first and second and trophies up for grabs. So it has changed, but I'm sure still still count for the fans. Yeah, talking of that fight for fourth, obviously Arsenal beat Chelsea midweek. Chelsea have still got to play West Ham this weekend, which we'll talk about a bit later on in the show. And they've also still got to play Manchester United. So in a strange twist of fate, all of these teams have still got to play against each other. I think there's a North London derby still to come as well. So even with sort of six, seven games to go, it's not decided by any means that top four race. And also what hasn't been decided is the relegation picture. One new man in at Manchester United, one legendary figure out at Trevor's old club. Burnley. We'll talk about that next after this. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favourite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Dugout. Premier League Preview. Football Social Daily. Welcome back. This is The Dugout, your Premier League podcast from Sports Social featuring former top flight professionals. I've got Matty Fryatt, a former Premier League striker and a former Premier League winger, Trevor Stephen, joining us on today's show. Trevor won the title with Everton in the 80s, but it was at Burnley where he made his name in the Football League. And Burnley and Sean Dyche are two things that go hand in hand, Trevor, synonymous. A lot of people have said Sean Dyche is Burnley, but he's been sacked 
Um, it's been nearly a week now, or in fact, it has been a week since that was announced. Um, we haven't caught up with each other since that happened. So what was your initial reaction? Because from all of us here, we were absolutely stunned when we saw that news. I, I would go along with that. I think I had the same uh, emotion. Uh, couldn't believe the, the timing of it. Um, I, I don't see what it does for Burnley uh, Football Club. Unless there's something that, that has gone on and that we haven't seen um, we, I can't say that uh, I know anything behind the, the, the scenes as to what might have happened. But if you, as a chairman, uh, and Alan, Alan Pace is the chairman, the new chairman, makes a decision on a th Thursday morning prior to a key um, Premier League match, you know, the, the coming weekend, uh, and you throw that at a, at a group of players, it, it's so unsettling. I know they come away with a, a draw at West Ham at the weekend. Uh, and to be honest, West Ham were a bit off after their European exploits. But good result, yes. But if you look at the players, they, they can't believe it themselves. Um, they, they've got a makeshift bench now or, or in, in the sense of management. And it, it's just bonkers. I mean, Sean Dyche was like he's been cut out of the of the, the foundations and the stone and moulded in it as, as a Burnley kind of guy. I, I joined yeah. Burnley when I was 12 year old, right? So it was my sort of education and looking at what football is and what professionals are and then getting on to play for the, the first team, etc. And it, it's a special club. You know, it is a, it's a small club in a small town, but with a massive heart and a massive simple way of doing things. You give everything, you cover every blade of grass. And that's what Sean Dyche has brought to that group of players over over many, many seasons. Mm. Um, and whilst he was still in the fight, which he definitely was still in the fight, you know, why are you taking taking him out of it? So mm. unless a, a, an explanation comes you know, forward uh, or out from behind the scenes, it's, it's, it's just left me baffled. It really has. At a crucial part, seven to go and you do that. Do you think that he was shown enough respect on the way out because what was interesting for me was there was no thank you for your service message it was just Sean Dyche is out and that was it you know it, it was a very cold statement and the fans obviously didn't receive it very very well you mentioned the new ownership at Burnley which has come in in the last 12 months or, or slightly longer than that perhaps the American ownership fronted by Alan Pace obviously they those owners will have lost a bit of favour with fans. Do you think that there was enough respect shown to Sean Dyche? who had been there for nine years. No, I, I absolutely agree with your, with your point. Uh, to be shown the door like that so rapidly without any, it's not fanfare, but, you know, without any, um, any respect shown uh, and, and spread within the, in the football community, I, I, it does lead me to think that there's something else lying behind the, the decision. Um, and that could have been, speculating, but could have been that Sean, um, his space was starting to be interfered with, potentially. Uh, or they, they've had a fallout over um, some boardroom decision uh, and, and Sean stood his ground. Uh, I can imagine that, but I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. But they've come in with uh, this consortium led by Alan, Alan Pace. And they've spent a bit of money, but they've not spent money to any great extent. Um, you know, they, they sold Chris Wood at, uh, at, in January for 25 million and get a replacement at 12, 13 million. 
so they're probably you know wiping their face in the transfer market quite quite comfortably. So the ambition what as to what we thought was going to be a real push for Burnley to become an absolutely fundamental part of the Premier League, that money never materialised. So Sean Dyche is working with the same the same um, ingredients, you know, for his recipe. So he has to keep putting out mm. the same kind of product. Uh, and as I said, I think he's still, he was still in the fight. And now that he's not in it, I think Burnley are weaker for it. Um, uh, and obviously it's going to be interesting to see how they get on with their next two games because they do have two two home matches. Their closest yep. rival, obviously, for re- relegation is Everton, who have got a ridiculously difficult game on, on Sunday against Liverpool, um, followed up by a, another difficult one against Chelsea at home. So these two games are going to be quite important. But I can't envisage... I can't envisage Burnley being able to um, turn their, their form around or the style of play around. So, mm. therefore, what what was the point, really? Uh, yeah. So that's that's my view on it. We should point out that we are recording this episode of The Dugout before Burnley take on Southampton in the Premier League. And we don't know what sort of reception um, will greet the players at Turf Moor ahead of that first home game without Sean Dyche in nearly 10 years. Remarkable. Um, I think Trevor's made his thoughts clear there. Matty, what do you think? Do you think it was a, a poorly thought out decision or will it only be that way if they get relegated? Because if someone else comes in and keeps them up, all of a sudden people are saying, well, maybe it was the right decision. I think they'd have to uh, stay in the division for that to be justified. Um, Trevor made a really good point. You, you saw your st- star striker to a relegation rival at the time in Newcastle. It, and then I know you replace him with probably half of what was coming in, going out. It just seems bizarre. And again, the the announcement of the second, who is going to do, or who has done a be- better job in nine years than what Sean Dyche has done with Burnley? No one. You could put a top manager in there. They, they wouldn't got, get the same out as what Sean Dyche has with those players. Cornet. That was a bit of money they spent. That changed the mould of the type of Burnley player that they normally have. He was a little bit different. He hasn't really spent too much. He's done it on a shoestring and he's got the very best out of that group of players. Where are Burnley going to end up? Is it going to be one of them with the ownerships that all falls out the bottom and then Burnley on their arses, so to speak? I worry for Burnley. I do. Do you know, if they go down, mate, if they go down, you would fancy, you would, you would love to have a Sean Dyche at the helm, wouldn't you? Coming out, coming out of the championship, you know. So, yeah. I, you, I think you had both both bases covered with him in the job. The potential of maybe scraping out um, a survival push to stay in the Premier League, but then worst case scenario, you know, you've got someone who knows the the club inside out is not going to come in and uh, and ask for ridiculous amounts of money because he, he just knows what that it's not going to work that way. But he's come out of the He's come out of the championship before with Burnley, mm. and he knows he knows that ground. So that means it just leaves you more baffled, doesn't it? Doesn't always work. I'm looking at the list of managers there. I'd quite like the look. Wickham fans won't fancy me, but Gareth Ainsworth, but he's been at <laughs> Wickham again. He's been there for what? Maybe longer serving than Sean Dyche himself. He's done a fantastic job, but it's similar. Or do you go completely different and go random, like say Nuno? Burnley are in a mess. The only thing that, for me, is the fixtures quite favourable. The fixtures are still there for them to go and win, where I'm not too sure on Everton. 
Yeah, I think this is fascinating because, as you've both pointed out, Sean Dyche has been there for so long. So it's been nearly 10 years since the people at Burnley, whether that be current ownership or the incumbents before that, have had to even go through that process of looking for a new manager. So what does that look like for Burnley? It's been it's been so long. Do they know what, what to do, what they're looking for, those negotiation processes? Have they changed in the nine and a half years since they last did it? Um, and, and exactly what you guys both said, if, if Burnley go down, the one manager available that you'd fancy to get them back up again... <laughs> Ironically bring, enough, it's bring Sean back, Dyche. Bring back Sean Dyche. You know, it's you not too just, late to do a U-turn. It's not too late. You can just imagine it. It's just a, it's just a crazy uh, decision. Um, and I, I reckon as well that Sean Dyche, because he's a, a pragmatist, a realist, he would have looked at these two games coming up. You know, Chef, um, Southampton and Wolves at home. Is, th- those are the ones for us. Those are the ones for us. Get the first one then you've got some massive confidence going into the second one. And a, a, a back-to-back win in the Premier League or wins in the Premier League just completely changes the landscape. But he's not getting that chance. He seems to have been enjoying himself doing a tour of East Midlands pub gardens in the last <laughs> week or so, Sean Dyche. So I think he's en- enjoyed his his uh, time away from management, albeit the on- only the seven days he's had so far. Uh, the leading candidate in terms of the bookies and the names I've seen in the press, Matty, is Chris Wilder, who's obviously currently the Middlesbrough manager. And Middlesbrough had a slow start to the season. They replaced Neil Warnock with Chris Wilder. They're up and around the playoffs in the championship, but it, it still remains to be seen whether they'll be able to qualify for those uh, six places. Um what do you make of that? And it's all speculation at the moment. Obviously, we're not privy to any inside information. But Chris Wilder is someone who won plenty of plaudits for the job he did at Sheffield United when they were in the Premier League a couple of years ago. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Chris Wilder. I think he's done a fantastic job. He sort of revitalised or added a new, a new dimension to the three at the back. It wasn't just the standard way with the sweep. reinvented it. And if it would be in anyone else, they would have got a lot more praise. And then... Obviously, gone into Hillsborough, they had a fantastic cup run and they're on the cusp of the playoffs. A good option, whether they go mm. for Chris Wilder or not. They're, they're in a weak position, like Trevor said. Yeah, I mean, I, I do feel bad speculating, but there was something interesting that I read and whether this is true or not, I have no idea. But the, apparently there was a meeting between the players and Sean Dyche and maybe that there was a bit of a falling out in this meeting and then all of a sudden, you know, Sean Dyche is is shown the door and then Ben Mee mysteriously takes charge of the game against West Ham. Um, someone who should be out there on the pitch, giving his everything for Burnley. Instead, he stood in a tracksuit in the dugout, Trevor. I find that, I find mm. that a bit strange. Um, it almost feels like a throwback, the old player-manager days. You don't ever see that anymore. That's something from a, a bygone era. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it's not something you'd expect to happen in, in the modern Premier League. Um, it sounds kind of... Uh, not pub teamish, but not not the right approach, not the professional approach. Um, you know the, the interviews that I saw. I saw the one, one with Matt Loughton on on um, Sky. The other, I think it was yesterday. That he was uh, describing how they all got to know, and it was a massive surprise to the to all of the players when they turned up and were called mm. into Turf Turf Moor. I mean, why for, would why would they meeting. sack why would they sack Dyche with no replacement in mind, or at least close? That's no, what I don't the, the, get because what, the games have ebbed away, haven't they? You know, so they had the game against West Ham and they've got this yeah. game on Thursday against Southampton of which there's no manager in place for. And that's two shots at yeah. winning points to stay in the league that 
you know, arguably you've given yourself, uh, you're disadvantaged yourself for. Yeah, well, I, I feel like if the, that board of directors is sitting down, they will draw um, a, a sort of the characteristics they want in a in a manager that's going to suit Burnley, and it's going to be the same character characteristics as Sean Dyche, right? So you're just you're you're actually going to search for something you've just had, and that is just again beyond comprehension, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the manner and, and where this all started with the manner of which it was was done, leads to. Um, leads to the thoughts that there's something else behind this but for sure he will not be out of the game for very long no yeah i mean replacing sean dyche it's either genius or it's foolish and i think the majority of people around football this week feel that it's probably 90 percent foolish and 10 percent genius burnley still have a chance of staying up in the premier league and there's still loads to play for not just survival there's the title race there's the top four two big games taking place with implications on both of those things this weekend liverpool against everton a merseyside derby and a london derby chelsea against west ham we'll talk about those two games here on the podcast next the dugout premier league preview football social daily It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. The Dugout Premier League Preview. Football Social Daily. Final part of today's episode of The Dugout. Former Hull City and Leicester City striker Matty Fry is joining us, as is former England winger Trevor Stephen. Um, Liverpool against Everton, a game which uh, I'm sure Trevor has some fond and not so fond memories of because that's often the way it was in the 80s um, with these two sides being at the peak of their powers Uh, but at the moment it's the Reds and Manchester City that are going toe-to-toe for the Premier League title City play on Saturday against Watford so by that point Matty the pressure in this title running could jump back to Liverpool and you know the onus is on them to get points to keep pace at the top of the league but you feel that with the way things have gone this season for both clubs and the way this fixture has been in recent seasons they should see off their Stanley Park rivals pretty comfortably this weekend what do you reckon I was just looking and other than last last season when Everton mm. managed to beat Liverpool it's been over 10 years since you never know in football that's the beauty of it but you'd you'd imagine that Liverpool would want would Obviously, win the game, and then the pressure sort of back on. But they've uh, they've come from far, haven't they? Really, um, back in January, February, I don't think many people given Liverpool to a shout. And I, for one, certainly thought it was over and just presumed it'd be Man City. But then, over the past couple of weeks, it's been edging one way or the other. One plays before the other goes back top, then the other one responds. And I've seen the, I think what Olin mentioned: if we draw. Um, that's what's done for. I'm not quite sure on that, but just shows the standard of the two at the top, how they're performing, and it's going to be a really difficult game for everyone. The mm. defence has been poor. It's going to be really difficult, but they're in a dogfight as well. 
Is that a shame, Trevor, the way that things have gone in terms of the Merseyside derby? Obviously, as a as an Evertonian, someone who was so successful at Goodison Park when you were there, I mean, firstly, what are those Merseyside derbies like to play in or what were they like to play in? And and is it a bit disappointing to see that it has been, as Matty says, one-way traffic really in recent years? What the games, you can see what the games are, are, are like. They're, they're fast and furious. The, the build-up to these matches uh, is intense. More, more so now because of the, the, the media around these around the Premier League compared to uh, the old league setup is, is dramatically different. But that's not to say it didn't mean any less. It, it was bragging rights, um, and. It, when I was playing, it was also potentially league deciders, these games. Mm. Uh, and we always felt if we, whoever finished above Liverpool back back in the 80s, whoever finished above Liverpool would win the league. They, they were that strong, that consistent. Mm. And we managed to do it a couple of times. But the actual games themselves, they're too frenetic. Uh, they're, they're very, very physical. And again, that's gone out of... The game somewhat because it has to have done because you get booked now for for literally nothing you know for for a um, a shoulder coming together that the referee interprets it was a little bit too too much and back in the day and and Matty will have seen bits of that in the, at the start of his career when people used to come in from different angles and slide in and, and, and chop you He was around. the one doing it. <laughs> yeah, he had, a, he had a bit of a rep. Uh, <laughs> I'd try and run out the way. <laughs> yeah, Matty the Slayer, he was called. Yeah, so, uh, it, you know, the game, has, the game has changed. The rivalry is a bit different because obviously Liverpool now sit at the top uh, in the high echelons of the league. Everton... Um, searching around for identity for the last few years, uh, completely lost the identity this season, um, you know, going back to the Rafa Benitez appointment, uh, it, terrible recruitment over long periods. So there's bad, bad, bad stuff going on at Everton over a long period. And I would normally like to say, well, it's a derby game, anything can happen, you know, and it'll be, it'll be fast and it will be competitive. And But the, the, the margin between Liverpool and Everton as footballing sides at the moment is dramatic and you know Liverpool are set on pushing Man City all the way for the Premier League title and going on to potentially a, a quadruple Everton are going there um, you know Frank will be telling them you know we can win this realistically you know Leicester should have should have beat Everton mm, mm. Um, on, and that was not on the home track Ah, it's it's not it's not looking positive. It really isn't. We, you know, everything can't keep the ball. There'll be lots of turnover. Liverpool love to break super quick. Got delivery of crosses and balls and through balls and movement and that that front three uh, is uh, probably for me probably the best that there is out there um, currently because Manny's come back to form. Salah's always in and around form. And they've got Luis Diaz, who's just remarkable adaptation to, to the Premier League. And, and then played, Jota from the bench, then, if you need oh, him. Oh, yeah, just throwing Jota. <laughs> just, yeah, man, it's, it, it's not looking good. Let, let's, let's be honest, hand on heart, uh, Liverpool will win, win this football match. And yeah. uh, if, if Everton got a draw out of it, I mean, that would be a remarkable achievement. They would have to play 
out their skins at Liverpool would be um, a complete and utter day off. And that doesn't look like happening, does it? No, I'd, I'd agree with that. And what I thought was interesting was in the 80s, you said these games were title deciders. In a weird mm. way, Matty, is this game yeah. also a title decider? Mm. Because Everton need to win to kind of secure, not secure survival, but take a step closer to safety. Whereas if they beat Liverpool, they might also derail their title challenge in the process. So this is maybe a a, a, a more pivotal Merseyside derby than we are giving it credit for. Um, what Trevor said was spot on. Who finishes above Liverpool, or if you can finish above Liverpool, you'll you'll win the league, and that applies for Man City. If you finish above Liverpool, you're going to win the league. So we're talking about Liverpool, but they've got to go there thinking we've got to keep it solid, dig in that old school mentality of back back to the wall, try and frustrate Liverpool because the other night Manchester United just allowed them to play on the counter attack. If you go out there and try and match them in terms of trying to play, then Everton will uh, will suffer deeply. It decides sort of the league it could do, and then it also decides Everton's fate as it could be another point towards safe. Um, so yeah. it's a big game, very big game still. They always are Merseyside derbies. Huge match with big implications in the Premier League. That's the showpiece game on Sunday. It's a 4.30 kickoff. A couple of hours earlier, Chelsea and West Ham do a London derby between them. Two o'clock start on Sunday. West Ham, you'd imagine, will be focused on Europe from here on in. They could well still finish in the top four with the way things are going. They're more than likely to finish in either a Europa League or Europa Conference League place this season, Trevor. But they're also in the semi-finals of the Europa League with a a great opportunity um, to reach a European final. So obviously, David Moyes, I'm not saying he's going to take sort of one eye off this game with Chelsea, but similarly with what we've seen with Leicester, who are in a semi-final of European competition, you think from here on in the focus would swing towards that rather than Premier League games? Uh, well, you know, in an ideal world, you, you, you'd want to take every game as it comes along. Um, West Ham still think that uh, they have a chance to, to put pressure on that fourth place in the league. But the, uh, the, the, the problem with that is, you're right, this Europa League run has been so amazing uh, is this their opportunity? Because I mean, it's not going to come along very often at all for for West Ham that they get this far um, in a European competition. It's going to be a difficult one. But you know, David Moyes is old school, and you know, and every game you take it on its merit and as it comes along. Uh, now, of course, having Chelsea. Um, you'll also feel that they're going to be a bit of a wounded animal and they've shown some frailty in recent weeks you know with with the things that have gone on at the club um, with the distraction of Lukaku's form with the now we hear that Stamford Bridge is a really bad pitch all of a sudden you know that you know that comes from um, Thomas Tuchel saying that the bad bounce cost us the first goal Uh, maybe their defenders passing it straight to Arsenal striker might have might have stopped them losing. It the looked game, more like that point. to me. I agree with you. <laughs> and Ketia's two like goals were assists from Sarah yeah. Christensen from the other yeah. side. Well, <laughs> you know, you're starting to hear things that are a bit flaky coming out of Chelsea. 
Um, well, he actually said, Trevor, he said Thomas Tuchel said before that game with Arsenal that he wasn't comfortable in his pre-match press conference. A lot of journalists were saying, are you just going to focus on the FA Cup and take it a bit easy ahead of that game because you're in third and you're probably going to finish in the Champions League spots? And he turned around to one journo and said, I'm not comfortable with you saying that because we've still got some big games to play. We've got Arsenal, we've got West Ham, we've got Man United. Um, mm. Fourth isn't, um, isn't guaranteed for us. You know, I've never been in management but my, my mantra would always be one game at a time. And it is, I think it is with every manager. You know, the, only, the only difference you get is you know, in the early rounds of the Carabao Cup or something like that, where managers have tried to protect mm. players and given run-outs run to, to younger parts of their squads. And you can see some obvious protection of players at that point. Uh, I can't imagine... Um, David Moyes picking a side that is weakened because of the games that's coming. Yeah, again, you know, for the Chelsea game, mm. I think he will go with his best and fittest, and um, and and because in football, and Matty will know this, there's nothing better than um, the winning a football match, because you win, you feel good, you know, all the dopamine's going, everything's great in the world. You go to training and it, you love it. You're actually probably doing less because your adrenaline's firing and, and everybody just wants to get to the next game. There's, there's always that. If you turn up for a game like half cocked, right, where how West Ham could be against against Chelsea if they're not mentally right, they go into the next game with a little bit of a shadow of a defeat on the, on, with them. And that can have its own effects. So the best principle in my, in my thoughts is to... Uh, absolutely concentrate on what's in hand uh, and the rest will take care of itself you know and if you get a good result against Chelsea then West Ham march on to bigger and better things as well yeah that is a London derby after all they will want to win it Chelsea against West Ham two o'clock on Sunday other games taking place this weekend Burnley Wolves two o'clock Sunday as is Brighton Southampton the Saturday games early kickoff is Arsenal United then it's Leicester Villa City Watford Norwich Newcastle and Brentford Spurs to round off the weekend's Premier League fixtures and that rounds off today's edition of the dugout as well thank you very much Matty thank you Trevor um, really appreciate it as ever don't forget if you hit subscribe that way you won't miss another episode of this podcast again we are the only show with a new episode every day of the season and the days are ticking down there's not long left to go and it is going to be one hell of a ride between now and the end of the campaign that's it from us today we'll speak to you again next time the dugout premier league preview football social daily step into the world of power loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.